Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Daniel Janine, we are back with Eater Upsell. The standard Eater Upsell, the new standard. The new standard. Stories. Stories. Uh, every week on the show. By the way, yeah, sorry. Oof. My name is Daniel Janine. I'm a producer at Eater. Your name is Amanda Clute. You are the editor-in-chief. This is the Eater Upsell every week on the Eater Upsell, except some weeks, but you know, going forward, it's going to be more and more weeks. <laughs> Most weeks. Most weeks, if not all weeks. Uh, we count down some of our favorite stories from the week. Um, five to six, five to seven. Sometimes bring in an expert. Bring in some experts. Uh, interact with some fans. Mm-hmm. Um, give give some takes. Separate them all with the sound of a ding like this, mm-hmm. and then we move on. It's a it's a quick little way to download what is new and important in the world of food. Yeah. This well, week we're yeah. going to be talking about some drama with the world's fifty best lists. Oh. We are going to. If that's not our beat. I don't know what is. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have a guest come on the show to tell us what's happening in YouTube. Weird food YouTube videos. Land. And it's weird. Right now. Mm-hmm. There's a fight between Kind Bar and Cliff Bar that we got to get to. Ooh, I can't wait and to hear about so that. So much more. So much more. Okay, Daniel. Yeah. There are these two bars. I don't want to call them energy bars because I, I don't think they both are energy what bars. What are they? Cliff Bar and Kind Bar. Um,. Yeah, I would say they are like what in the healthy-ish, granola-ish bar range. Right. Healthy, bar, healthy though, I, I don't think either of them are actually healthy, in my oh, opinion. Well, thank you, because now you are speaking my language. No, they are not. They are filled with sugar and uh, yeah, Cliff bar, covered in honey and stuff. They're not, but Cliff... Cliff bar tastes kind of gross to me, all of them, and Kind bar is like candy. Right. Like h- half of them are just covered in like chocolate or caramel or whatever, and that has yeah. some nuts. No, no, no. Yeah, neither of them are healthy at all. What I will say Gray about- Gray airplane candy bar. You're happy with it? Yeah, I'll take a kind bar on a plane. Uh, me too. It'd be ecstatic, in fact, yeah. to get a kind bar on a plane. What I will say about Cliff is I don't think that Cliff bars are trying to be as delicious as possible. They started as like a true intense terrain bar. Right, So they're right. meant to have as many calories and they're as many carbs as They're just trying to get you some calories possible. like in a package. And what's so crazy about the way that they were received by the world is everyone's like- Oh, cool! You know, influential athletic people are eating these. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they must be good for you. Right. So anyway, these two bars yeah. are in an all-out media war. Wow! And it's kind of funny. It started with Cliff. Mm-hmm. So Cliff Bar had a tweet that said. Hold on. Ooh, I love it. We believe that going organic is the key to creating a healthier, more just, and sustainable food system. We also know that we can't change it alone, so we are challenging kind snacks to go organic. We'll even help them by lending our expertise. Hashtag organic. Okay, and then Kind Bar responds. So wait, that's that's the first sell. That was the first first shot. Yeah. Okay. Kind Bar responds, it's deceptive to try to pass off organic brown rice syrup as healthy. We'd be happy to meet with you and share why we focus on making snacks that always lead with nutrient-dense ingredients like whole nuts, whole grains, and whole fruit instead of sugar. 
Holy shit. And then Cliff Bar. Part of our sustainable organic food supply is having pride in our ingredients, including organic brown rice syrup and other organic sweeteners. Calling out individual ingredients won't deter us. We source 117 organic ingredients across our supply chain. Won't you join us? Cliff Bar took out a full page ad in March demanding that Kind Bar switch to using all organic products because Cliff Bar is all organic. Kind Bar is not what? all organic. So they took out a full page ad. Oh my God. This is kind super petty. Give us a call. You have our number and we'd be happy to meet. Bonus, it's cheaper than a New York Times ad. Wow. Yeah. It's so good. Now, Kind Bar is retaliating with a campaign about how Cliff Bars are high in sugar. <laughs> so this is months and months later. An ad agency made an ad for them, like a real spot that's going on TV, about how Cliff Bars are filled with sugar. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy because I feel like they're both supposed to be like, I hate to say kind again, but like kind, good companies. Yeah, you would, you would think so. That's freaking awesome. I love it. I'm trying to think of what the there's an ingredient that Kind Bar was really calling Cliff Bar out for. Oh, brown rice syrup. syrup. This is so nuts though, because even from the first tweet here, Cliff is really pushing Kind onto their like, you know, into defense mode because for even though nine or like not ninety, but like a great portion of organic versus non-organic is completely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Even like the, the 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 label of organic has just been totally destroyed. So calling out kind for not being organic is petty bullshit. And in order for them to organicize or whatever every single ingredient, it would probably it would probably increase their their food cost by like ten percent well, or fifteen percent and just don't... totally destroy the business. Why? It's a weird. I mean, so many questions. First of all, does the consumer care? Is the consumer going to see this fight and be like, oh, I'm not going to eat Kind Bars? No, like but the I Kind Bar customer is going to care about this? I think that they are tapping into something that, okay, this is just completely anecdotal, but in my opinion, this is something that would matter to the Kind Bar customers, right? Because like, Kind Bar customers are people that are kind of, that are like, you know, that would know what organic meant-ish, but are not really diving in all the way. So to hear like that- Like they want organic, but don't know that organic is bullshit? Yeah, or they want organic, but they, they don't really, they're not really thinking about what organic means. They're just like, oh, cool, organic right. as a buzzword. So I don't know, if I'm one of those people and I'm like, the bar I've been eating that I think is healthy is not quote unquote organic, the word defined by nothing, if, if we're just looking at, like, this seems like a, these are political attack ads. Mm -hmm. But I actually think that Cliff, in a way, wins this. Because going below, like, kind going below the belt attacking brown rice syrup, I actually think is less offensive to the perception of the bar than Cliff attacking kinds not being organic. No, I don't know. I think kind is winning this one. If they are really true competitors and you're trying to decide between a Cliff bar and a kind bar and yeah. you're looking at this fight, it's like, oh, right. Kind Bar uses whole ingredients. Cliff Bar uses whatever this processed shit is that I've never heard of before, and now I'm aware of it. And I just watched an ad where, like, in the ad, a guy opens a Cliff Bar on a plane and pours out all this, like, brown sugar comes out in liquid <laughs> form, and it's just gross. And you're like, yeah. oh, right, the first ingredient is sugar. Yeah. Did you know the first ingredient in this Cliff Bar is brown rice syrup, which is just another name for sugar? This Kind Bar's first ingredient is almonds, which is just another name for... Almonds. Solid. Look inside this kind wrapper and you'll see wholesome ingredients like heart-healthy nuts with the taste of delicious dark chocolate and only five grams of sugar. 
That's 75% less sugar than the leading Cliff Bar. So wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, after seeing that, I think kind, it's a good ad. It's a good ad. Yeah. They're like, oh, you want to go there? We'll make an ad. We'll make a good ad. We'll make a good ad of two people sitting on an airplane. Mm-hmm. Oof. <laughs> they also understand that that's when most people are encountering these stupid bars. How great would it be if Cliff launched a campaign against the podcast? <laughs> uh, we bring it on. Cliff, if you want to fire some shots on the Eater Upsell, we will respond. It'll be like an ad in support of you and against me. <laughs> <laughs> Smart people like Dan understand that organic brown rice syrup actually isn't that bad. This week, the world's 50 best announced their list of the quote-unquote world's 50 best restaurants. I just finished watching uh, a little bit of the live stream. You watched the live dropping stream? Dropping in and out of the live stream. Uh-huh. Was it entertaining? Yeah, no. I mean, so what they do is on YouTube, they stream the announcement. Uh, they count down the 50. Mm-hmm. And they say, next up. Number 48. F- yeah, 48 from... Lima, per- yeah, it's like, <laughs> and uh, and then you see the chefs stand up and like wave their flag a little bit. Wow, and they move through it pretty quick. Is it entertaining? They hired I don't know who the host was, but this year they hired a woman who was, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if she was permitted or told to do some off the cuff mm, crowd work, some jokes, but she had some jokes. That's good. Yeah, and or- she clearly knew the food scene. Mm-hmm. So, like, some of the jokes were, I don't, I mean, they weren't like this, but if, you know, if uh, if El Bulli was the winner, it was, it, they were kind of like, you know, well, sous vide me, that's a shocker. Wow, or really? That Not bad? that bad, no, but <laughs> definitely, like, new. Are you trying out? Are you, is this your audition? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How was that? <laughs> pretty, pretty okay. That's, like, the worst joke, I think, <laughs> ever. Anyway. Can't the one next year. The one that was most uncomfortable, I told you when you walked by, you're like, what are you watching? And I was like, the 50 best live stream. And you just like kept walking and didn't really say anything. Was uh, Daniela Soto Ines, uh, amazing chef of Cosme and Atla in New York and and a few future uh, restaurants in Vegas and L.A. um, Won the award for the best female chef. Um. And she gave a nice long speech. You know what's a little fucked about the internet, though? I mm-hmm. mean, this is across the board with the internet is because it's a live stream. Uh, you could see everyone's comments. Daniela's speech was, you know, it was longer than anything else that was being done there. But everyone was just like, move the fuck <laughs> on. <laughs> you just really want to know who's going to win. Well, they're there for a reason. Yeah. You but. can't drag out a countdown with a speech. <laughs> You know, like do the speech at the beginning or the end or something. There was so much product placement in this thing. Wow. I didn't know this, but like they've come up with all these insane categories to sell to um, advertisers. Oh, like, so, like the uh, Sky Vodka. The Sky Vodka. Sustainability chef of the universe. Yeah, they have those. So, you know, there was like a humanitarian thing, uh, mm-hmm. chef of the year. Uh, all like all awards that you would expect that were not related to the list, mm-hmm. but then there was like the you know Essenzio Italia like Champagne de whatever award for like the greatest jump, and that was like for the restaurant that had had the biggest shift. Wow. And then I think Noma <laughs> won an award. Oh my God, this was great. So the big 
if you buy into the excitement of the list, the big controversy this year was we're going to get to that. We're going to get to, but this is a controversy about the rankings, uh-huh. and that was because Noma rebuilt Noma uh, Copenhagen yes. Legendary mm-hmm. Restaurant, and so they were now they were eligible to to win again, even though as we'll get to, mm-hmm. no restaurants that had previously won uh, were on the list. But she goes, there are two restaurants left. Both of them are coming away with a prize. And Noma won the prize for highest ever uh, first time on the list placement. Oh, my God. Which is just, <laughs> but it's crazy that they've just found, I, you know, they must have people in a room being like, what? <laughs> like, it was almost as if there was an award for going, an award for going from the 20s to 30s to the 10s to 20s. Yeah. Like, just insane product placement. Anyway, I just wanted to finish this. The one joke that she made that was incredibly uncomfortable and I think was totally off the cuff was uh, was after Daniela gave her speech, which was great. And the presenter goes, Daniela Soteriness, I want to have your babies. <laughs> so uncomfortable. It was and it bombed like these chefs are willing to laugh at any kind of, you know, 50 best humor. Because they want to get it. They want to be in with the 50 best. <laughs> they, they want in. Anyway, this, that joke bombed. Wow. And I know a joke. I know a bombing joke. No bombs. You. <laughs> anyway, so why don't you tell, what is the controversy this okay, year? Okay, so if you want to see the list, the 50 best list, go to eater.com. Daniel and I don't care a whole bunch mm-hmm. about who got to the top of this kind of arbitrary and poorly designed list. But we do like drama. Oh, yeah. So we are here to talk about some drama. Uh, Earlier this year, we talked about this on the show, actually. They made a new rule as part of a diversity and inclusion initiative that any restaurant that had made it to the number one slot in the past, I don't know, 10 years would not be eligible. Past ever. Past Past ever. ever. Yeah. Really? The list has only been around since. 18 years. Yeah. Yeah. So ever. Yeah. Uh, They would not be allowed to be back on the list. Like, you're done. You're, you're done. You're you're on some new, like, I don't know, best of the best Best of the best. Garbage that's list. the legacy. That's the Mount Rushmore Like, you won, you did it, yeah. move along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I think the idea was- Maybe they make where, an ice sculpture of all the heads of the winners and then just have sure. that, you know. The idea being, we need to open up some slots for some new people. I think we debated this idea. I was kind of on board with it. Uh it turns out there was a Time Magazine article this week that it was actually the chefs who wanted this because they couldn't handle the ego bruising that came with going from one number one to number three. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because it made them see the reality of this list, which is it's arbitrary and silly. Was it that the chefs were pushing for it or they were also – or they were okay with it? I, I don't – it was – you think it was them that was that were leading it, the charge? Some would say it was imposed by half a dozen or so highly ranked chefs, some of them former number ones, some of them close to the top. Wow. Is what the article said. Yeah. According to a source with knowledge of the process who asked for anonymity, blah, 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 the core group that began pressing in earnest for the change last year was driven not only or even primarily by an attempt to unclog the top, but also by an effort to avoid the decline in reputation that comes that some notable chefs have suffered once they fell from first place. Wow. Fragile egos can't take being number five when you've been number one. (laughs) Daniel Hum had a great quote about how, like, oh, you know, 
restaurants just keep getting better and better and they move down the list. It doesn't make sense. It's like, yeah, guys, <laughs> this whole thing doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, it's just thing. a bunch of faux journalists on junkets ranking food that they ate. Like, get a reality check here. And yeah. you've all fallen for it. And some guys getting away, you know, becoming wealthy with all these sponsorships of like the best top from 20 to 30. Like, it's ridiculous. So are you, but do you not think that this change is good for the list? Yeah, sure. Let's whatever. Have new people on the list. It's just the list is so I'm so beyond this list. <laughs> it's funny the amount we talk about the list. I know. Well, and that's the thing is it drives you nuts. It drives me nuts and it's always my my constant like internal struggle. Yeah. It's not banning coverage of this stupid stupid thing. <laughs> because people care about it. Okay, next up, uh, I don't know if you know or how aware you are of this, but every year, I believe, at the Javits Center in Manhattan, they Mm -hmm. have something called the Fancy Food Show. Oh, I'm aware. The Fancy Food Show is where, is a a convention for uh, food brands from like small independent Canadian maple syrup shops all the way up to like Jelly Belly show off their new products with the goal of attracting attention from retailers. It's a lot of... Uh, purveyors and then a lot of like Whole Foods and whatever buyers walking mm-hmm. around being like, I want that on my shelves. Right. So it's kind of an industry thing. Um, but I love, I love this kind of shit. I love just trying all the new products. Like everything, you always go and like, they're, you know, they're so puffing. So many hummuses. So many hummuses. Not everything is great because some of the stuff is going for like mid to low end grocery oh, yeah. stores. It's like our salami is, you know, 40% cheaper than whatever. Mm-hmm. So like I'm down for cheap salami, but like I'm not amped to try a cheap salami. You know, I, yeah, I'm, anyway. A big thing last year was all the different puff things because as like keto and hyper low carb diets get bigger and bigger, they're like, what carb free vegetables can we turn into crisps? Mm -hmm. That was my big takeaway last year. Everything is trying to crisp. I went uh, on Sunday and I didn't email them ahead of time to get a press pass, but I went to the press office. There was a man. This is just a very silly story, and it is semi-food related, but there was a man in the press office. He was from Mexico. He seemed very nice, very social, had long hair and a necklace, and he was in the press press office trying to get a press badge. This woman who helped me was great. You could tell that she'd been working this thing for like three days Mm -hmm. and had to deal with a lot of shit. (laughs) This guy comes up, and he pulls, takes his phone out pulls up his his YouTube channel uh-huh. and he goes, food, YouTube, and shows her his YouTube page of like, I caught a glimpse of it. It's him eating food. <laughs> she looks at this thing and she goes, sir, sir, you have 43 subscribers. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, food, food, food. <gasps> and she just goes, ah, that's... Oh. That's not it's not a lot of subscribers. So sad. <laughs> if he had a million, would she have said, Okay, you're press now? Wait for this. So it's the end of the day, there's like an hour left. I think it's still on today, but it's like an hour left in the thing. And you could tell in her head she's like obviously she's got the power to just let this guy in. She just goes, uh all right. <laughs> <laughs> like you're obviously <laughs> passionate about this. You really want to go. Yeah. I just <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> the guy was like, he wasn't giddy about it either. He was just like, he felt like he just, he felt He's like, like, yes, as you should. <laughs> I do food on YouTube. 
All right, Amanda, next up on the podcast, Becky Hughes is here. Hey, Becky. From the New York Times. Social media at the New York Times. Becky is an obsessive YouTube watcher, but like weird food stuff on YouTube. Love that. And there are a couple emerging trends on YouTube. Does she watch more YouTube than you watch YouTube? Different. Okay. So she watches more bloggy, vloggy stuff. Mm -hmm. What do you watch? Podcasts. You watch podcasts I watch on YouTube. Podcasts. I was thinking oh, about man. your professional YouTube, and I watch all the other food stuff. But I right. watch—that's more polished, like more mm-hmm. professionally done. This is more like done by people. Uh huh. Right, Becky, you're studio. watching like people who are just making their own stuff, putting it up, putting it up there. Exactly. Well, well, why don't we start with then instead of getting into the weird stuff first? Why don't we start with a phenomenon that Becky is obsessed with that I don't really understand, and that is what I eat in a day. Have you heard of this kind of video? No. Okay, what I eat in a day is massive, massive on YouTube. Is that correct? Correct. What is, fundamentally, what is uh, what I eat in a day? Um, it's a video in which somebody shows you exactly what they eat in a day. <laughs> um, All right. There are basically, like, I think that there are two camps of videos. There are the ones in which people have planned um, thoroughly in advance mm-hmm. what they're going to eat. Everything is shot from different angles, very beautiful and put together. And then there are people who do my favorite kind of what I eat in a day videos, which is like really vloggy style, just like showing you a realistic day of eating, which is much more interesting to me. So every time they're eating, they turn on the camera Mm -hmm. and they're like, all right, breakfast, here we go. Snacks, breakfast, Just on their cell phone? Uh, I don't know. I think it depends. Sure. A lot of people have like specific vlog cameras. And then the other one, it's like, here I am. I'm starting my day. This is everything I've determined that I will eat? Um, They're not so straightforward about it. It's a little more like, oh, welcome to my channel. Here's what I'm eating. And then it's like a perfect acai bowl that's Mm. like been decorated with Mm. straight lines of cut fruit. Yeah. Everyone starts at breakfast? Uh, Yeah. Well, a lot of (laughs) the more like uh, (laughs) polished forced ones will usually start with like a glass of warm lemon water. Of course. Oh my God. Yeah. That counts in the what I eat in a day? Yeah. Are these people who are on a specific diet? Or like yeah, so oftentimes, and I think this is probably just for like, um, you know, search purposes. Uh-huh. They're like pegged to some sort of specific diet. So like vegan, what I eat in a day is super popular. What I eat in a day to oh, lose because weight for the SEO, right? Mm. So and they're trying to be helpful for for viewers. Yeah, I think in theory, a lot of these are positioned kind of as like aspirational or informative. Oh, so no, just like. Here I am at KFC. The kind of like more vloggy, realistic ones will often have fast food involved. Fast food is kind of a trend mm-hmm. across we'll the board there. on YouTube right mm-hmm. now. Okay. Are there vegans that will have moments where they've like broken down or are there people on strict diets that'll be like totally gluten free and then just be like, fuck it. And then like go for a big plate of something. I think, I mean, the thing about YouTube is that as much as it, as it is like more realistic mm-hmm. than, you know, other types of planned out videos it's still performative and like the person behind the camera is still the one like shooting and Mm -hmm. editing it so they do choose what to post but yeah there's been like a massive uproar in the vegan youtube community because a lot of vegan youtubers are coming out as non-vegans whoa it's been massive i couldn't remember if you guys had talked about this before no it started with a woman called ravana on youtube (laughs) a video came out on someone else's vlog channel um ravana ravana she was a raw vegan which means like i don't know if she stuck to raw or if she transitioned out of it but she was definitely a vegan big like mouthpiece vegan community Mm -hmm. type and um a friend was vlogging her 
on a vacation and they pan to Ravana and she has a plate of fish in front of her mm. and she kind of hunches over <gasps> to hide it. This is all like video that you can find Stand on YouTube. Off. Big drama. What happened? The internet basically turned against her. Um, it was probably really hard for her. And yeah. then she, you know, eventually, I'm sure, made an apology video. Wow. Can someone recover from something like that? It's a good question. So this is the thing that's been happening, like, all over vegan YouTube. It's, like, pretty big. And I think that Ravana moment was a chance for a lot of people to come out of the woodwork and be an ex-vegan. <laughs> um and I think a lot of them probably are just transitioning like their personal brands into something more lifestyle-y or, you know, carnivorous. So what is interesting about the What I Eat in a Day, is it that you see like all these different people from different walks of life? Like you mentioned something about some like Ukrainian dudes or something? Oh, I did recently stumble upon um, some Ukrainian guys who eat basically like only blood and raw milk what yeah they do a lot of and occasionally like some organ meats are awful um all raw they don't cook anything <laughs> fascinating yeah that and was that's all under the umbrella of what i eat in a day yeah those were just guys showing us what they're eating and what Weird do you like it about it seem? i think it's i personally just enjoy it as entertainment i think like the voyeurism factor is like enough to get me on board but I understand there's an argument that this is just like capitalizing on larger cultural anxiety about food and wanting to see what other people are eating to make sure we're doing it right or there's not someone who's like got it figured out. Right. To be inspired yeah. by. Are you you watch like an hour a day of these videos? <laughs> uh, yeah, but probably. <laughs> <laughs> I like to watch them when I'm falling asleep. I find it really soothing. You have no interest in doing one? I briefly toyed with the idea of doing <laughs> vlogs just because people who vlog in New York are just like, they're going to be successful no matter what. Because really? people love, yeah, like wow. a day in my life in New York City. So you could Whoa. build a following just being here? I think so. Talk to us about the, the there's a bunch of drive through challenges going on right now. Could you tell us what the what are the drive through challenges? <laughs> yeah, huge on YouTube right now is these drive through challenges. The first one I think that popped up was, um, I think it was called eat, letting the person in front of me decide what I eat for 24 hours. And the idea is that you wait in your car for someone to go through the drive through You pull in behind them, and then you say to the person at the window, I'll have whatever the person in front of me ordered. Can I just go ahead and order whatever the person in front of me ordered, please? Okay, thank you. Ideally, it's so dumb. Ideally, I like that there's the 24 hours constraint, though. Yeah. Because you kind of told me about this, but I didn't understand. You have to do it for a whole day. Yeah. Okay, so that's that. how you're meant to be fed for the full day. Can you go through r again right away? No, that is a separate challenge. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> but like, what if the person just orders coffee and you're hungry? You have right. to go to another fast food place. Um, yes, I've okay. seen that happen before. You probably would just kill it and do it again and not and pretend like it was the first time. Well, lie I, to your audience. I, I think. Don't know. Well, I think the actual the best case scenario for someone filming one of these videos is something like that happens where mm -hmm. they pull up to the window and they're like, oh, I'm starving. And then the person in front of them orders a black coffee. That's and good. Then, yeah, it's drama. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. You wouldn't cut it. Exactly. There needs to be like some tension in every narrative. Mm -hmm. And that's it. So which of these videos do well? Okay. I think the best ones are the ones in which something crazy happens. Like the ones that are most appealing are the ones in which you get behind a car full of like like a soccer team? Yeah, exactly. A soccer team or, you know, someone ordering for a gigantic party because... That'd be pretty funny. It would be hilarious. <laughs> and a big draw of having someone who orders a lot in front of you <laughs> is holding up the receipt for your thumbnail. 
and doing a kind of shocked face or having the name of the video be like, spent $300 at McDonald's. Love it. That's kind you got to think about the packaging. You got to think about the packaging, of course. So, what happens when that happens? Like, do you then see the people eating the food? Uh, no, I don't think there's any like implication that they're going to eat it all. That part is kind of just like typically unaddressed. Mm-hmm. And what happens when they actually go to order it? Like, are are people on the other end of the of the drive through line now used to people doing this? No, that's what a stupid a, question. Dan. <laughs> but are they like, okay, so I'll have what they had, and then what happens? I do think about this. I mean, I think potentially like in certain areas of LA where all the YouTubers <laughs> live, maybe they're like used to it at yeah, the, like, the McDonald's, right? right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, ideally, the idea is that the person wouldn't tell you what food you uh-huh. have coming for you. So then when you get to the pickup window, <laughs> okay. you get to see if it's, you know, like a, like a gigantic bunch of bags or if it's just like yeah. a drink. So there are other drive through related YouTube trends? Yeah. Yes. We got twin pranks. What happens there? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've seen some videos where, you know, two twins will be in the car, one hidden and one in the front seat to speak to the person at the first window. And um, then when they get to the second window, they've had the twins have swapped to try to see if the person notices. <laughs> <laughs> and the person does not care, right? Yeah. I, every time care. I've seen it, there, no one cares. <laughs> okay. Uh, the dressing as a celebrity? What this is-, is super popular. I think one of the most popular drive through food videos <laughs> on YouTube right now is a video of these girls dressing up as celebrities and going through drive throughs um, It has like 25 million views. Oh my gosh. And yeah, and it's, it's just girls dressing as celebrities and being goofy and kind of like doing a skit for the person at the drive-thru. In like meant to be nice and kind, kind of like meant to be fun for the person who's delivering the order. I don't know if it's. I think they're looking for a reaction out of the person working the drive-thru. But the goal is not, not necessarily th- to entertain them. The goal is not for the person to think like, "Oh, that's Kylie Jenner." I think that would be a desired outcome. <laughs> probably that would add, you know, that would add something to it. Oh my god. Man, anything on those? It just reminds me of this. There was a trend maybe a year or two ago of people going to drive throughs and getting soft serve and then picking it up by the top. Yes, coning. Yeah, coning. <laughs> just to get people's reactions. Yeah. So this is kind of just a continuation of that kind of. <laughs> That's a thing. Totally, totally. This is like the evolved coning. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my God. Okay, what about, uh, what about pink food? Oh, yeah, we got lots of... Uh, Eating only pink food for a day, eating only black food for a day, like picking a color scheme and sticking wow. to those foods, or only eating tiny food for a day, <laughs> only eating very food. large food for a day. The thing is it's that all, yeah. none of these are hooks. Like, <laughs> no. they're not a thing. They're just like, I'm only going to make left turns for a day and, <laughs> and film it. So. Right, right. It's just but taking something kooky. it seems kooky. to be working. Seems, Becky's watching. Yeah. 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 I, I bit every night. <laughs> Do you watch the pink food stuff? Um, you know, I've seen a few of them. It's not obviously like what where my uh, where my interests mainly lie mm-hmm. on YouTube, but I understand it. I I see what what they're doing. Yeah, what are they doing? <laughs> they're taking just a stupid thing and putting challenge on it, or putting <laughs> you know turning the yeah, other lives into a game. Right, they're gamifying. Just being Eating. goofy. <laughs> okay, here's the one I'm most interested in. What is Instagram controls my life challenge? <laughs> <laughs> this is a YouTube challenge that's actually not always food specific, but it's where you post every time you have to make a decision, 
it's basically it's like a decision <laughs> burnout um, theory. But every time you have to make a decision, like, am I going to wear um, boots or am I going to wear sneakers? You post it on Instagram stories and you make a poll and you wait a few minutes for your followers to choose mm-hmm. and then you move forward God. with your day. And, and so, you do that with every single thing. Right. And so there would be like Instagram followers choose what I eat for the day. Cool. Well, Becky, thank you for coming in to tell us about what's going on on YouTube. Thank you for having we me. We hope to have you back soon. Daniel, I hear you have some takes. I have two takes. I'm two gonna, takes. All right. Take number one. They're completely unrelated. I want to see. Take number one. Take number one. All right. I was in Montreal okay. this weekend for a bachelor party. Looked uh, fun on Instagram. I, I actually showed your story to a friend. Really? To prove that um, I knew someone who was living this kind of lifestyle. Of just like ripping shots on my own? <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> like, I don't think I've seen a bottle of absolute like <laughs> just in a house in a long time. <laughs> That's yeah. how like I don't know older and snobby my lifestyle is. Um I actually don't want this it's to happen. It's like a dirty stove, a bottle of absolute. It's a like cup a weird, of orange juice. Yeah. No, Gatorade. 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 It's a weird separation and I feel like this version of me is not the same as that version of me, but occasionally on my Instagram stories, especially like five or six drinks in, I just feel totally I just feel totally loose and I just put up <laughs> Everything. Uh, like shots. <laughs> okay, so you were at a bachelor party in Montreal. Anyway, well, sn- I was I, a bad guest. I to saw this on your party. Instagram stories that you snuck off multiple times. You just left the party. Well, left your I'm not really an all day drinking person. Okay. My brother was there. Uh, we went to see X Men together instead of going to the Formula One race. Wow. Okay. But one of the greatest decisions I've made in my life. We just had, you know, I love doing that with my brother so much. We went for brunch and then to X-Men, and uh-huh. it's like, that's my heaven. Great. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't the best guest. But, you know, if I'm good as a spark plug at 8 p.m., I'll come in, high energy. Great, great. That's all you need. Uh, yeah. So, but anyway, the point is, is I had an hour to eat. There was this restaurant called Les Mousseaux that I really wanted to try in Montreal. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know much about it, so I come in. They have... Uh, uh, Les Petites Mousseaux, which is kind of like a wine bar, and then Les Mousseaux, which is a tasting menu. And I talked to the person at the front desk. It was just me, and they had one seat at the front desk, a maitre d', one seat. And uh, I said, listen, I've got to be out in an hour. How long does this menu typically take? And he goes, like, yeah, like two and a half, three at least, depending on uh, how fast you eat. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I was like, okay, I'm going to ask you the most obnoxious question in the world. I was like, maybe talk to the chef. If he's willing to, I would do this thing in 40 minutes or 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> and he didn't just scoff at you? He went over to the chef, comes back. He was like, we're so excited. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's set a land speed record. Wow. And I crushed the thing, 45. I got to say, it was the last few courses were a little were, it, was, it was a lot right how many courses was this uh f- 14 wow yeah 12 to 14 i would say i didn't do Oof. wine pairings i had two glasses of wine 40 45 type 45 type 45 so i'm an insanely fast eater mm-hmm. i don't think and i don't think a not someone who was not an insanely fast eater could have pulled it off probably mm-hmm. a slower eater could have done 110 but i got to say i kind of it was i could i bet you i could have done it I'm sure you could have done it. Yeah. I kind of liked it. I appreciated that I wasn't I wasn't receiving the value from the restaurant in the same way as someone who had the long drawn out experience sure, with the yeah. you know the hospitality flourishes mm-hmm. things like that. Like my bread came 
which was a course. It was like this beautiful bread. And then yeah. it was like, it was there. I took one bite of it and then another thing was there. And like when you're at a tasting menu thing and the bread comes, you're like, fuck, yeah. yeah. And you take like a 10 minute bread break. And right, you're just right. like trying all the different butters and stuff like you're that. Like, I don't have time for that. No, I left some bread, wow. you know. But I was curious, do you think that, uh, I'm open to you saying that this is obnoxious, but what do you think about this? Well, I think it depends on the chef. Because it seems like this guy mm-hmm. was into it. He was a gamer. He's like, cool, yeah. let's let's try this. Yeah. But I could see someone else saying, 100% no, this is, I've set out to do this thing, it's this long, luxurious right. menu, I want you to experience right. in this way, that's why I've taken away all choice, like, this is what we do here. I wish more things took half as long, though. <laughs> Just everything in life? Everything. No, like, so many meals I have where it's three hours, like, this should have been, like, 120. Yeah. I think people like to present their experience as a whole night's entertainment. Sure. Okay, what about from my perspective? Do you think, can I justify the cost? Am I being, am I trying to form someone else's vision into what I'm looking for from a night? Um, Yeah. If you were the maitre d', would you be like, screw off? What do you? Well, I think the maitre d' understood the chef's vibe. Yeah. You know, like that he probably set the vibe for this whole restaurant like we are into you know Fast being f- no being flexible and pleasing people also i squeezed one in like yeah I squeezed they're like in oh okay we got an extra how much was it 160 canadian yeah we got an extra 150 bucks yeah why not sadly the conversion rate is a little a little more aggressive than that <laughs> <laughs> i gotta say was probably it was one of the best things i've eaten in a long time wow and I would never have gone. Like maybe he saw your face and was like, "For I, this guy, Daniel Janine, yeah, anything," because he's an influencer <laughs> with a podcast. No, I, I, in order to do a, a menu like that in a foreign city, I feel like I would have had to. That's the kind of thing I would have had to have planned. Mm-hmm. So I'm very glad I did it. I hope that other people who are in the Montreal area are going to Montreal can check out Les Mousseau and have the long, elegant, drawn-out experience sure. that I couldn't have had. Yeah. Because I had a bottle of Absolute Vodka to chug later. Oof, you sure did. <laughs> uh, I just want you to know that in my conceited vision of myself, I think I can enjoy all of life's pleasures, high or low, uh, in 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 you know, in heavily condensed periods of time, right <laughs> back to back. Like, I think I could go, I could be sitting in that tasting menu for 50 minutes, go out halfway, play a game of beer pong, mm-hmm. and I don't think that would have destroyed the experience for me. Multitude, and that is Daniel. my <laughs> and that is my superpower. <laughs> I love that. That's a great superpower to have. Thank you so much. I also love when you're traveling alone to just try to get in a tasting menu without having any planning. <laughs> I've done could, it before. Yeah. I've done it in Paris. I'm it's, by myself. Awesome. Just yeah. walk in and be like, hey, can I do this thing? And they're mm-hmm. like, actually, yeah, we have one seat at the bar. Yeah. Like, sweet. Yeah. Next time I do that, I'm going to be like, hey, do you have a seat for me? And also, can I do it in a quarter of the time? Because I just You're going to take the move? I might, I might try it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a move. It's your move. It's kind of a move. Yeah. It's pretty obnoxious. Every meter D listening is like, please don't. Please, please do don't do this. Don't do I this. hope this, nobody listens <laughs> like, to this show. Show up at Manresa. I really <laughs> just, oh, I got to be somewhere. Yeah. I have a, a bachelor bar. Can you just do me in like. They were also a good yelly kitchen. Yes, chef. We, we, we. Loved it. <laughs> Great. All right. Take number two. Take number two. Uh, this is a, it's called, I've called this nuanced cronut take. Um, Cronut, obviously, famously is a, a pastry 
in New York City and spreading, famously invented by Dominique Ansel. It was kind of like the first fancy Instagram bait mm-hmm. pastry, mm-hmm. Uh, very popular, very delicious. That's very another delicious. Thing. Yeah. But it was just had lines out the block. I think there probably still is a line to get a yeah. cronut. Yep. This when was it come out? It came out like 2012, maybe 2013. Sounds right. Sure. I had an interesting moment where I went to. Uh, I live next to a donuts store that just opened called Donut Pub mm-hmm. on uh, on Broadway, and I go in and they were. I was like, "What do you recommend?" It is a good donut store. I was like, "What do you recommend?" They were like, "You should try the cronut," right? And I said, okay, well, this place sucks. Like, no. They said you should try the cronut? Yeah. The Donut Pub has a cronut? The Donut Pub has a cronut. And I was like, no. They called it a cronut? They called it a cronut. Ooh. I was like, no uh, restaurant of integrity mm-hmm. should be biting, stealing things from another restaurant, copying things from another restaurant, and and and. Well, and he has a trademark, it, too. He's you got to see yeah, them. And, he's, and offering it with pride. Right? right. But then I had this realization that, like, this is how everything happened. Right, like there was a first person who made a a, a croissant. There was a first mm-hmm. person who made a mm-hmm. lot of things, and they just spread across their city and then right. maybe across their country. And the f- initial uh, replicas were stealing, but this is just how innovation happens. And this cronut situation was just one that I had the unique opportunity of seeing the birth and progression of. Right, so right. You mean was, in, 50, you, in 50 years when cronuts are just like a donut? There will be an inventor. It'll but be, there like, will be oh, like, oh, it was invented by Dominique Ansel. 10 best places to get a cronut in mm-hmm. New York City could be a map. Right. Well, you yeah. could do that now. It's just they all call them something else because yeah. he's so aggressive about maintaining his trademark. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe eventually he'll just have to stop. Right. And it will just, it's just a thing that he invented that now everybody. Makes. That everyone does. Yeah. And they don't come up with a fake name for it anymore. Uh-huh. I just they thought, just call yeah. it a cronut. <laughs> they just call it a cronut. Uh, I just thought, I felt a, a a fun switch in my head where I was like, I was so, ang- not angry about it, but I feel so strongly, it irritates me so much when people do like the 10th poke restaurant. We've right, talked about right, this right. before. Like, I don't feel like there is artistic innovation present in those restaurants. It then feels just a business well, it's decision. it's different in that, yeah, he invented this thing. But everything, and then I was just realizing everything was invented, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just in the early first maybe 10, 15 years that it feels like stealing, and then it's right. just part of the lexicon. Well, and it seems like a trend until you pass a certain mm-hmm. amount of years, and then you're like, oh, this is just yeah a thing that will continue to exist. Yeah. But I don't know. I would have to look. Is this really everywhere still? Like, does Dunkin' Donuts still have their knockoff? That's a good question. Or like, I know there are a bunch of international chains that were just doing this, and maybe yeah. five years later they're not doing it anymore. I think it it is relevant that the thing is delicious. Like their cronut take wasn't the same as his, mm-hmm. but it was good. I was like, this is a good thing. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's laminated good. dough and a donut. <laughs> what can go wrong? Daniel, that is our show for the week. Yep, put a bow on it. Put a bow on it. Pretty crazy stories. Pretty exciting stuff. A lot of Dan this week. A lot of like always a lot of Dan, my friend. <laughs> no, but always a lot of Dan. Specifically, this I, I feel mean like, a perfect amount, but a lot. Oh, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said. It couldn't be nicer than that. <laughs> that you're a lot, but it's perfect. <laughs> that's not exactly what you said. It was a lot of me, but it was perfect. Not like you're a lot. You're a lot. That's different. I mean. Oh, you know what? Yeah. I want to plug our summit. Oh yeah. Please. Before we end the show, so. We are having a summit in Brooklyn, July 27th. Tickets are 60 bucks. We are Is it not have, sold out already? I'm sure it's very close to sold out, yeah. but you know, I gotta do my job. Uh, 
There are going to be food celebrities. There's going to be a real celebrity. Me? Uh, Daniel Janine is going to be there. I'm going to be there. There's going to be amazing food vendors, all the food and drink that you can stuff in your face, mm-hmm. all for 60 bucks. Yeah, I'm going to act quickly because I'm going to buy all the tickets and put them all on StubHub because, <laughs> as usual, an eater event that is just criminally, so criminally underpriced. Yes. Oh, you know, we're also going to have a vendor's area where people sell stuff, and we're getting um, Dan Barber's seeds. Really? Which I'm super excited about. Is Dan going to be there? I don't know. Wow. I should ask him. Anyway, good stuff all around. Yeah, come so come... Honestly, $60 is worth it if you're just in the market for seeds. Just access to the seeds? (laughs) I think you can buy them online. (laughs) But just to see how he sets up his booth, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's worth the money. Hey, if you like this program, please uh, (laughs) rate and subscribe to it on on all the platforms. And shoot us emails, upsell at eater.com, with uh, questions, comments, concerns. And we will catch you next week. Bye. Bye.